Sometimes the world just needs a hero to help cut through all the noise. Well, now you have two. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to yet another episode of Your Heroes of Noise. I'm one half of this dynamic duo. My name is Steve. What's going on, Steve? You having a good uh, good afternoon yes, so far? I am. I am. Good? I am. Good of to go? course. How about you, Janet? Y'all jazzed up and charged Dude, up. Dude, I lived. Nice. You know what? I know this is going to be on video this time, but I'm feeling weird because we don't do video a lot, so I don't know where to fucking look. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 172 of Heroes of Noise. My name is Dan. I'm happy to be here. We have a very special yes. guest today. You know, yes. we've been doing the whole thing on Halloween is our deal. I don't know if you, uh, mystery guest, I don't, I'm sure you're not aware of that, but uh, Halloween's our deal. We love doing like through the pretty much the month of October. It's all about like thrillers, chillers, killers, shit like that. And I think that today is going to be a special day for a lot of people because uh, I'm very happy to announce that our mystery guest, I'm going to keep it a mystery for just a quick second. Let me just do the whole narration thing that I normally do, you know, kind of build it up a little bit, but uh, check this out. I hope I hope he's impressed by this, Steve. I really oh, I can't wait. I don't even know what's coming. All right, here we Let's go. Let's do it. I don't know either. I don't oh. know either. Actually, I'm just going to wing this shit. But here we go. Let's do the throat clearing. All right. In 2017, he gave us Stillborn. In 2019, he came correct with Z. And by the way, I just watched that last night. I can't wait to talk about that one. But 2021, my man kills it, comes like hard. And you can see this on Shutter right now. You can rent it. It's available on uh, VOD and all of that. But there's a movie that Steve turned me on to. We've talked about it recently. And somehow the stars lined up to where we were actually able to uh, chat with this gentleman. So we're talking about the movie Superhost. And I am talking about the writer and director of Superhost by the name of Brandon Christensen. Brandon, welcome to the show. How you doing, man? What's up? Thank you for the, the big intro. It's, that's exciting to hear. I forgot Mother of Dragons is missing, but beyond that, it's pretty good. Yeah, we'll get there one of these days, man. It's really good to have you on the show, dude. And uh, I want to say, you know, first and foremost, thank you very much for giving us your time. Um, no I plan on having some fun today. So let's talk about real quick before we kind of just start loosening shit up and everything. What inspired Superhost? I promise I'm not going to hit you with some generic questions. But <laughs> the reason that I ask you this question is that. Airbnbs kind of freak me the fuck out. I'm going to be really honest with you. I've always had this issue with, you know, I watch like TikTok videos and stuff like that. And they're, they give you those demonstrations of right. like, oh, don't, don't put your finger to the mirror. And if, it, if it's like, I think it's if there's a space between your fingers, there might be a mirror. I did I not know, know that. I was it's a two-way mirror. Okay, cool. Uh, they, they tell you how to like look for like cameras in the, with your phone okay. in, the, in the vents and stuff. So quite right. honestly, I have never stayed in an Airbnb simply because of these things. And Brother, your movie is not helping me with this situation. It's making me very, very uptight yeah. with the whole Airbnb yeah. thing. But you did it brilliantly. So I'll stop babbling. I would like to know kind of where this came from. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, we had a, an interesting experience uh, several years ago when we shot the movie It Stains the Sands Red, mm. uh, which is a zombie film that I produced. It was the first feature I ever worked on. But uh, we rented a really big uh, Airbnb just pretty close to my house. It was just a big house rental that we could put all the cast in. And the people that were out of town, they could just sort of like make it the revolving door uh, sort of living spaces. And uh, the place had a bunch of cameras in it. And the people that were staying there did not treat the place very well. Like when they checked out after a month or whatever, the place was just filthy, just, you know, just disgusting. And uh, the owner of the Airbnb tried to sue the, the oh. movie or the people that, you know, I, I guess they, the movie was never told. Like we didn't tell them we were doing a movie or anything like that. 
But um, yeah, they used all these images from the cameras being like, you had more people than you were supposed to, you know, that you signed up and all that stuff. And so that was like, I mean, that was definitely the first kind of part or time that I ever had like an interesting experience with an Airbnb. And I've stayed at them a bunch of times when I do shoots or something like that somewhere. It's just nice to to have something a little less um, uh, corporate than a hotel. Uh, not that I don't sure. like hotels or anything like that, but you can get some cool experiences. But I was in um, Toronto when I was doing the uh, a film festival circuit for Z, and I stayed in this really nice kind of high-rise condo that uh, that I got. I was just like, I haven't been to Toronto in a long time. I used to live there, and it was kind of exciting to be there, so I thought I'd kind of treat myself mm-hmm. a little bit. And um, yeah, I got this really cool place, and I showed up from the airport and took a pee and tried flushing, and nothing went oh, down. Yeah. You know, and I'm just like, oh, no, like, this is weird. You know, I take off the tank. I'm looking at the chain. Nothing's nothing's out of sorts. There's no plunger. There's nothing like that. So I had to reach out to the Airbnb host and we have this awkward conversation. And uh, he ends up sending a security guard that worked there and they took a look and they couldn't fix it. So he's like, I'm going to go get a plunger. I'll be back. And he shows up at the door. And I'm just sort of having this super weird, small talk yeah. conversation with him while he's plunging. <laughs> A toilet that I have, you know, used. Full of your <laughs> urine. Yeah. And, I mean, it's it's directly out of the script. And I even made the dumb joke like, oh, thank, you know, at least it was just number one. You know, yeah, I got that. I got that. The, 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 the awkward small talk yeah. stuff. And, and and so he left. It was all fine. No one killed each other. But um, it was just kind of that feeling of like, man, I'm in this guy's space. And I don't know him. He doesn't know me. We could be anybody. Like, what is the checks and balances with, Air, you know, a company like Airbnb? There's not really. You just sign up and go. Um, and that that just sort of left a, you know, kind of a, this weird feeling in my head. Like, like why why are we so trusting of these people that do this thing? You know, it's so str- like really? Uber, ride sharing things, all that. It's just we're such a private society right now. Mm-hmm. And we're so scared of everybody, yes. it seems like. It's weird that we're we're just totally okay when someone's got a good you know five star rating or whatever, um, and so that was that was kind of the big germ of the idea there. And then uh, I I was laid on the ball to see um, Creep, Mark Duplass, oh so good film, oh so good, so good, dude. And, and watching that movie was just you know just struck me how fun how fun it was, even though it was a horror film. Like it's just so fun because he's such an awesome character. You yes. know, he's just like super lovable, super charming, super funny. Um, while still doing horrible things. And uh, I just thought that that was such an interesting concept for a killer. It's almost like a, a non-supernatural Freddy Krueger, yes. where he's the star of the film, even though, you know, generally the it's kind of this stalking presence. But um, yeah, I just wanted to sort of take my own a stab at that, if you will, like try and create a, a character who's a complete psychopath. But by the end of the movie, you've kind of switched your foot you know you've your own morals are kind of lessened when you're like you know what i'm kind of rooting for this person now even though (laughs) they're doing horrible things so yes that was kind of that was a big inspiration as well just trying to trying to figure out a character who could who could kind of do that large swing from crazy to to likable oh and did you knock it out of the goddamn park picking her by the way oh my god yeah we got super lucky it was just a total random chance uh i we were talking to a number of different actresses and they were all booked on different things and uh gracie's friend sierra mccormick was shooting another film at the same time and so she couldn't do it but she uh she just was like hey check out my friend gracie gillum and i looked her up and i saw all these teen beach movie uh things that she did with D- disney you know singing yeah. and dancing and all that stuff and i was just like 
that's totally that fakeness yes. that she puts on for that performance <laughs> is Rebecca. So it was, you know, it was a very quick decision. We're just like, that's really interesting. She's she was very young, which wasn't written to be that young, but you know, it's kind of interesting just to have this young, small, total psychopath that can that can you know, annihilate some people that are totally ill-equipped to survive. <laughs> oh, that's true. And the funny thing is, I love how you position Teddy as us. He's us. <laughs> Everyone right. else is kind of in this weird, and Teddy's like, is this weird to anyone right. else in this room? <laughs> and so we're all looking at life through Teddy's eyes being like, yeah, you're not crazy. This whole thing, mm-hmm. even during the interview when she interviewed and got really into it, He's like, mm-hmm. and like his, his girl, Vero's like, or she, he was, she was, uh, I'm sorry, Claire was like, um, uh, Claire was like, Hey, um, that was fantastic. Right. And Teddy was like, no, no, it's, <laughs> this is crazy. And so the whole audience was like, yes, thank you. I'm not the only insane person. Right. And he just goes along. And I also love how you made him. He's not freaking Jason Bourne. When she's right. like, Hey, go see who's downstairs. He's like, what the hell am I going to do? Like, Like, what am I going to do? Am I some sort of like expert in martial arts? Right. What am I going to do? I love that dude. He could have turned on the lights, probably. I mean, but yeah. It's, it's less scary. No one ever does. You watch every horror movie and they never that's, turn on yeah, the lights. Yeah, don't worry. That's a bo- You're supposed to not in the movie. And right. also, it's not sure. his house. I wouldn't know right. where the crap the lights were. And so I'm like, am I going to make sure. more noise looking for the light? Than just going downstairs. I just love mm-hmm. what was the decision in making him the everyman? Where it's like, I'm not gonna make him know how to like dodge, you know, ooh, ooh, I can kind of fight. You're like, nope, he is not apt <laughs> to fight at all. He is probably the worst fighter in your group of friends at this very <laughs> second. Yeah, I mean, it, it was just kind of a, a choice to to make him sort of the beta of the relationship. I thought that was interesting <laughs> yeah. to have her kind of the driving force of their business. And just to have, you know, it is kind of taking on the stereotypical gender roles where you have the guy who's the protector. It's almost flipped around. But there's still, you know, there's still that thing where she goes, you do it because you should. You're the protector. And it's just like, I'm not, though. Like, she probably probably would have been fine if she went, you know. But she keeps sending him because I think that, I mean, I think there's just a total disconnect in their relationship, obviously. Like, he... He, we, we, we're not privy to the five or so years that they've had together where things were probably better. And since they've hit a, you know, a bad rough period with their, with their channel, I think she's so fully devoted to just fixing that problem that she's not realizing the fractions that she's creating with her own relationship. Yes. And so Teddy, ever the optimist, is just trying to sort of, it's kind of like, we should have a baby that'll fix our problem, you know, that, so that's what he's thinking, like, let's go to the next mm-hmm. step. And we can recapture what we had before when I think at this point they've, it's almost like a platonic uh, business partnership, you know, for, 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 for Claire. So, yeah, we're, we're definitely coming into this relationship really late. So there isn't that kind of uh, public displays of affection or anything like that. They're very comfortable with one another. And I do think that they love each other. But at the same time, like, you know, when, when shit goes down, I think that she is still just like, Teddy will protect me. And He's just not that guy. He's not a hero. He's not. He's a vlogger. He's re- and I love the meta commentary. I, I, I know this was on purpose because I was like, oh, he's he's go- making it happen through the whole film. How it's just like, apparently at one point they were very happy and that equaled, that that perfectly lined up with a grip of views on the channel. And it just like, we got more happy, views went up. More happy, views yeah. went up. Went it's directly per- proportional directly. to it. And yeah. then so when the views went down, she's thinking- Oh, that's a problem in our relationship. 
And you're like, no, it's, it's actually, we're good. It's just the right. channel's not doing well. But in her brain, no, that means we're not doing well. And I was like, this is right. genius. This Because it's kind of, <laughs> every person that has like a YouTube channel is like, well, if the views are down, I'm down. I'm like, wow, right. what a totally. smart, what a freaking smart meta commentary, dude. But the thing is, there actually is some truth to that. I mean, Steve, you know I'm as psycho as they get when it comes to like podcast yeah. numbers. Not so much anymore and stuff like that. But you you can get on that wavelength of like the numbers equate happiness Absolutely, or whatever. Dude. But I like the way that Brandon put it because it's like, you know, they're in this, we're in the, the, the later part of their relationship. It's quite established already. They've already seen their highs and lows. And now they're at this point, like he said, where it's like the, the example was, well, maybe we should have a baby and that'll fix everything. I, it seems like they're going two different directions. Like Absolutely. That. He, uh, Teddy's, taking the, Teddy's taking the more practical, lifelong approach to things, maybe a more, uh, a stat, you know what I mean? Like it's a little more thought out to where this will take us to the, the next phase of our lives. And with her, she gets, with Claire, she gets so like so consumed with the numbers of it. That's the only thing that she wants to fix right now. So it does right. kind of put them into that weird sort of platonic relationship where they're just not firing all cylinders anymore. Oh, you know, so and, smart. Yeah. it was so smart. There is a guest star that shows up that for any horror film, like lover, when she shows, you're like, Oh my God. <laughs> How did you get her? Uh, I'm sure you're talking about, uh, I mean, it's it's in the credits. Okay, it's not, I mean, she's been, yeah. Yeah. Steve, in, Steve in is very spoiler sensitive. Because I love yeah, this I movie that. and I want people to see it. And if I say all this stuff and they're just like, oh, okay. I, I was surprised when she, I had to push pause and look close. I was really? like, is that Barbara? <laughs> yeah. I said, what? Yeah, it was exciting. <laughs> we, um, I, she had reached out to me about a year and a half, or I guess it, it, Back then, it was like a year before we shot, asking, you know, she had a script that she was seeing if I'd be interested in, you know, taking a look at to potentially direct. And uh, it never went anywhere, but I had her email in my, you know, Mm -hmm. sort of my Rolodex now. So I wrote this role and I just sort of needed that, you know, it's all, you know, like in Stillborn, we had Michael Ironside Mm and in Z, we have Steve McCaddy. And it's just like that, that recognizable face that you can you know, immediately you just go, oh, okay, this is a movie, you know, it just, it just sort of bridges that gap yes. from, from indie to something real. Um, and so I, I just sort of reached out and I was like, Hey Barb, you know, I know, I know the thing didn't work with the other thing, but uh, I have this script. It's like two days. Would you want to come out and do it? And she was just like, yeah, let's do it. Like, just oh, come on. No, no issues, you know, paid her ba- basically nothing. Uh, she just came out, did it for, you know, a couple days with a, with a smile. And it was just, it was super fun. I mean, cause this is a movie where you have that character that, you know, you get someone that has been in the business for a while and you're putting them in a situation where they have to get really dirty. And that I was really concerned with because it's just like, you know, I, I have to get Barbara to lay in the dirt and like kick around <laughs> yes. and do all this stuff. And I, I was just concerned, but she was just totally down like a hundred percent. Like, you know, you've got blood. Uh, we're in everywhere. We had to- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we have to, you know, we're like putting blood in her mouth so she can spit some up, and we're just like, okay, you know, take a big. She's like, just give it to me. And she's like, oh, oh my god, chugs it back. That's awesome. And she's yeah, she was just like, you could tell that she's not that. There's no ego or anything there. She just wants to do it, and she loves horror, and she just loves to do that stuff. So she was just, you know, she was just an awesome sort of um, uh, person to just have have with us for those couple days. It just sort of, you know, it was near the end of the shoot, but it just sort of bolt, you know brought everybody up and made everybody go like oh this is you know this is a ton of fun to to be working with her so yeah that that was awesome she she's definitely a she's a treat she's a, i mean and, and the funny thing is after that scene it goes from zero to uh, <laughs> so, so where it's like right. oh this woman's different 
to, oh, wait, because I thought it was just going to be like, oh, this woman's, yeah, she's a, a little mm-hmm. bit off. You were like, no, 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 no. You don't care. She's yeah. not just off. And I was like, oh, he took it there. <laughs> like, he took it all the way there. It's the first movie in a horror movie. Like, this is the first horror movie in a long time because I'm a horror fanatic. And it's the first movie where at the end I said, it's not supposed to end like that. Right. It's not supposed to do that because the mm-hmm. guy is adorable. And so I'm just like, oh, he's not. He's a dude from Supernatural. He's not supposed to go out like this. And so I was like, oh, it's just such a like, uh, it broke. My, and normally I could see it coming a mile away. A mile away. I said, oh, I get what's going to happen. Wrong again, dude. The way you ended this movie, you definitely were like, well, I hope you watch a funny movie after this. Like, don't go to sleep. Don't go to work. You have to lift your spirits because, man, right. you took it from, oh, he's, she's quirky. And to, mm-hmm. to like, oh, no, 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 no. It's more than that. Which I just was like, man, who is this guy? Who is this director? I told Dan. I was like, yeah. no, this this movie is the one. This is the movie, <laughs> man. Because it's such a nice. shocker. And that, who came up with the poster? Uh, a friend of mine, Tony uh, Coppolillo, he's, he's like done posters for every, you know, you look at like Avatar, Lord of the Rings stuff, Matrix He's done everything. He used to work for a big firm, and now he freelances. But I've been friends with him for a long time, and just like the most talented artist that I've ever met, and we're just like you know good friends after all this time. And so I hired him to do it, and we just heard of like I wanted to hit on the kind of the multiple personalities mm-hmm. type of thing. And so we just sort of I, I, during the filming, we when she was all bloodied up, uh, we just did a, a series of, of reactions and stuff like that. So we got her doing a bunch of different stuff. And uh, Tony and I just sort of looked at them and we picked three that we liked and he just sort of went and did the split thing. And uh, yeah, it was just one of those things where it's just like, oh, that's awesome. You <laughs> so know, like that's, <laughs> that's so cool. <laughs> it's, it's so cool. I didn't even know what it was, but that poster immediately right. was like, click, I'm watching this. And it's just like, oh, nice. whoa. You go from this person and we all know, I don't know if we all know people like that, but there are those people that are like, yeah, they're, they're, they're nice, kind of weird, different. but they're. They're different, yeah, yeah right. but you know they're they're just fine. But you, it, like Steve says, it just goes from like zero to one hundred so quickly. And there's this scene in the main room uh, that just disturbs the shit out of me. And it's I've always been this way with movies too. It's where like uh, Teddy sees her in the window and she's staring directly at him and uh-huh. she's covered in blood. And then she just does that mad dash off to the side. It's like where the hell is she going? Right. That has always been something with me that I don't want to use the word triggered in the wrong way, but it kind of triggers that reaction with me where it's just like, oh shit. Now, now we got, it. I mean, we always had a movie, but now we really got a movie because for me, I like that area of suspense. Where did they go? Where right. are they watching us from? You know? And I just think you did that so fantastically. And you know, it's, it's, you just see this, this, even in the poster, you just see that transition of someone that's just fairly normal to all phases of how crazy that they can get. Right. And I just think that you you pulled it off so well, man. I mean, it's just like fucking Bravo. Dude. I really, really love oh, this movie. Well, it's 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 literally one of the funnest movies that I've seen this year. And I've seen a lot of movies. Right. And that was kind of the goal, too, is just to make something fun. Because, like, my first two movies are the opposite of fun. You know, they're very dark, <laughs> brooding, and just, like, you feel like shit the entire time. So I was, you know, I, I they're both mom and baby mm-hmm. or kid movies. And I was just like, I got to do the exact opposite of that for my next one. Or else I'll be that guy that's just doing... <laughs> the mom and kid horror. And it's just like, those are great, but you know, I, I wanted to sort of try something new. So, so I definitely wanted to lean more into like a comedy that was very dark and get, you know, it's definitely kind of genre bending a little bit. It goes from different places and, and ultimately ends in pretty, you know, pretty serious horror stuff. But um, yeah, it was just, it was just sort of 
a chance to to flex a different muscle, I guess. It, and, and the funny thing is, and I, it, it's so what I love talking about this stuff is I'm not inventing things. You did this stuff on purpose. The fact the only reason that she her standing outside and running is scary is because you have already set up the fact that Teddy is not Jason Bourne. Right. <laughs> if he was Jason Bourne, we'd be like, well, he's going to catch her and then hurt her. And it's a done move. But the fact that right. you're like, oh, no, this guy's a wimp. So her mm-hmm. doing that is like really scary for all of us because there is no savior. There's yeah. no one in that house that is the savior. And it's like, oh, right. Jesus, what are we going to do? It's definitely like the divisive thing of the film is that they go back to the house after everything kind of goes down <laughs> yeah. in the forest. And I kind of wish that there was just like a throwaway line, like, well, let's just go inside and, and we'll we'll figure out what we need to do because they have a quick dialogue outside before they go in when she's like, let's go to the car. And he's like, she might be waiting there. And so they're just kind of trapped. I mean, I don't know. So I've just seen a lot of people like, why would they go back to the house? And I, to me, it's just like, well, I know that she, it's her place and she has the codes and all that stuff, but at least you can put a wall between yes. you and her. You know, if she's in the forest and she just catches you, you're dead. You know, so it's just like get into something, figure out what you're going to do and then and then do it. And, it. and it all pretty, you know, it happens pretty rapidly from that point. But um, yeah, it's that's definitely kind of the one thing that I wish I had thrown in there was just like a throwaway line. Like, let's just go inside and, you know, figure out what we do next and then we'll do that. But uh, but yeah, when she it's basically just like these these two people, they, they do a YouTube show like they're totally they're not survivalists. Exactly. They're, they're, He's got he's got uh, you know great physique and everything, but it's more just glamour muscles for this character. You know, not not Osric Chow in real life. He's very strong, does a lot of fighting and stunts, and he does a lot of stuff like that. But but it was it was funny. He's just like I wouldn't you know I would attack her, and I'm just like you would attack her. Maybe. Yes, I'm not saying you know, but but Teddy would not. He's just not that guy. And when we do have kind of the final standoff in the basement, and he's sort of holding his weapon, it's funny because like when we're when we're blocking for that scene you know there's just i mean especially now with the whole alec baldwin thing yeah you can see how there's just like you know she's holding he's holding a real fire fire poker we didn't have a fake one or anything and and it is that's a real one that she's holding yeah 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 yeah. so it's like you know we're having a conversation it's like okay well because in the script it's a little bit more of a you know a fight there but we're such an indie budget we didn't have a prop version of that we just sort of had the real thing so her going at him and and stuff we we just sort of had to simplify it down to just being kind of like he kind of holds it up weakly and then she she just quickly dismantles it and you know finishes him but uh yeah it was just it, it's just a i, I it, you know it'd be great to have this like big standoff and he's swinging and hitting her and she's got the cut on her face and she's like Ugh, you know like a yeah. or something but <laughs> licks the blood but it's just like these people don't do that they're just they they have zero fight in them they're just they expect, to, you know, they've got this. I think that's the whole point is like they're so comfortable to exploit this girl for views because they don't think anything could possibly happen to them. You know, it's like we've got fans. Why would anyone do something? We're people. We're public. Uh, you know, people know us. People like us. So why would anyone attack us if we did something stupid? And so they do something stupid and they make some big mistakes and uh, they don't have any protection. And the people that they think that they're protected by their fans abandon them. So it's uh it's just kind of like, yeah, these people, it never really made sense for them to be heroes and stuff like that. I thought that, and also another awesome uh, thing that you did was, you're like, look, uh, you make us rethink the whole movie. When you show where she's been this whole time, now my brain <laughs> goes backwards. 
And I'm like, oh right. my gosh, the whole time they were, oh my God, when they were even, oh, <laughs> like it makes you rethink the whole movie again. And I'm like, that's what you call brilliance because it makes that's it funny. retroactively scary. And you're like, oh right. God. I knew we were in for some shit when he pulled those false teeth, oh, the dentures dude. out of the toilet. I'm like, oh, oh, oh no. <laughs> I think I, uh, and it, it's not a, it's not an, uh, um, a knock to the movie whatsoever, but I'm like, okay, I know. I, I know, I think. I think right. I know. But I love that it just, it, you know, you never really let on to it. And another thing that I thought was great is, I don't know how you feel about like YouTube influencers, vloggers, and things like mm-hmm. that. I mean, I have nothing against them or anything, right. but the way that you nailed the whole, hey guys, and all of that stuff that they do, you know, some might say that that type of a persona on YouTube is a little bit on the, uh, it's overdoing it. It's extreme. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? And we see it all the time. It's all over, you know? So how do you feel about, influencers and vloggers is it something where it's like you know i think i want to have these people in a movie and i would love them to be slaughtered <laughs> you know or is it just is it just part of it It just it just works well with the movie itself um i mean it was definitely like when i first started thinking of it it started from the airbnb concept mm-hmm. and it's like well who do you have staying there and the initial idea was just like oh you've got a couple or you've got four people whatever friends and it just sort of once you know covid hit and all that stuff and we realized we really had to keep it small it was like let's keep the cast tighter and then we've got two people that going there. And it's it's always the question of like, okay, well, why are they going there? Yes. And it's like, oh, maybe the guy wants to propose. But it's like, okay, that's fine. That's that's simple enough. But then you, you just want to keep adding layers to it. And then you go like, okay, well, here's an Airbnb that has cameras that's filming people that like to film themselves. So you're just kind of like creating these mismatches and where they are. You've got this host that's pretending to be someone that she's not. You've got these vloggers who are pretending to be Mm. something that they're not. And so they're all kind of like everybody's lying the entire time. Nobody is who they say they are. And you're just slowly seeing the cracks in that. So it's just it was just kind of like a matter of complicating the narrative and making it not just like, okay, a couple people go to a place and that's, you know, they deal with this thing. There's a reason for them to be there. There's a reason for them to want to stay. They want to get the content. They want to get the views. They want to, you know, fix their channel. And so it was just kind of that. And it, and it's like, you want to have these these people that hopefully the audience likes, but by the end of the movie, they're rooting for the villain. Like that was ultimately yeah. the, the, yes. the, the goal here. So who, you know, I think in general, it's it's a pretty tough place to start when your main characters are vloggers, you know, like a lot of people have a very strong distaste for that. So that was definitely the most challenging part is just like, okay, how do we, how do we make the audience care about these people? And I, you know, I've read and I've seen a lot of reviews and a lot of people just don't, and that's fine. But at the same time, like you need to start saying why they're having these problems. And if you don't have sympathy for them, you have to at least empathize with the situation. And so Mm -hmm. that's why you have Claire's character just sort of, slowly breaking down over these numbers and getting upset mm-hmm. and like, oh we can't support ourselves your parents have to pay for us and all that stuff which are i think pretty relatable problems you know i mean a lot of people don't care about oh wow their their biggest problem is life is their viewership is down but um it's more basic than that it's just we can't take care of each other that's a big problem like why i'm not even going to think about getting married right now yeah. if we can't even just provide the basics for us without your your parents paying for everything so the goal, you know, that that was kind of it because Claire is going to be unlikable because she's that fake. She's the yeah. fake one, especially. Yeah. So and it's like from the very beginning, you see her and she's all smiles. And then right when they say cut, it's like, boom, the the real. Mm-hmm. And and that's a tough position to be in as a writer because you the character has to be unlikable because you have to see the contrast between her on screen and off screen. So on screen, she's bright and bubbly, but off screen, she has to be the exact opposite, which is just kind of cold and and very like 
business driven. Yes. So yeah, it's just, it's a weird situation. But by the end, kind of the whole goal is just to be like, okay, we've got these two dealing with this weirdo. This chick's weird. What's going on with this chick? And then by the end, you're just like, yeah, you know what? Screw those guys. I like her. I'm on <laughs> team Rebecca now. You know, that was, that was the ultimate goal. So it's just, it's just hard, man, writing a movie when you're, you're just trying to figure out what the characters wants and what yes. they need and, and all the things. And, and I just sort of thought that the, you know, doing the social media thing was interesting. And I also really like the idea of filming in different formats. Mm -hmm. So you'd be doing most of the film as a narrative, you know, you know, just normal, but then, um, a lot of it or parts of it anyways, are done in like the vlog style and you can play with the audio and how the, how it all works together and stuff like that. It was just kind of fun to experiment with that. So it's a complicated answer, but, um, it was just sort of how, you know, building, building the narrative how do you add as many layers as you can before it kind of topples well i think it was it was i love the fact that i didn't have to like the couple i just mm-hmm. had to like teddy that's it right and For so sure. now if something happens to both of them i'm invested like right. since if if his if claire gets hurt it hurts me cuz it hurts teddy cuz i'm invested in teddy now cuz he's like right. after that after that uh the mountain in, uh proposal mm-hmm. oh i'm in I was done. I was done with her at that point. (laughs) I am with him because he thinks he's in. He's he's not doing this vlogger thing. He's like, no, I love you. This isn't a game to me. This is real. And now I'm invested. And everything that takes place after that, it matters now. I don't see them as vloggers. And I'm seeing them as, oh, this poor guy. He loves this woman. And if anything happens to either one of them, it messes me up because he loves her. So you did it perfectly. (laughs) I was invested in them. It's funny because the proposal thing, like at the end of the day, he that was like the fakest he ever was in the film is when he's doing, hey guys, you know, he's doing the <laughs> yes, secret yes. Up, yeah. updates. And so, I mean, even though Claire comes off horribly in that scene, the fact of the matter is she's not wrong. Like she, he you're did right. set up the no, camera. Right. Yeah. He was prepping to do They've this They've been going thing. about it like that. Yeah. The yeah so right. I didn't think about that. <laughs> Yeah, so it's it is really complicated that they both, you know, it is a genuine moment, but neither of them know how to experience that anymore. They're just totally everything is all about the cameras and everything getting it on, you know, getting it right. And so there isn't that there's no ability to just be like, "Oh, this is real. This is a real feeling we're having." You know, you actually called my dad. Like there's just they wow. can't compute a real moment. So it's just uh, they're just totally disconnected from each other on that level at this point. I didn't so think um about that. yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> yeah. So Teddy is Teddy's not fully in the right there. Oh, you just ruined Teddy for me. Oh, I didn't <laughs> yeah, even think he's about kind that. Of a piece of trash. Crap. He did set up <laughs> the freaking cam cuz I was heartbroken. I said, "What are you doing, woman? He's being real." But she sees the camera. She's like, "Oh." She sees it. You know what? You're right. <laughs> And it break it breaks the you know because it's shot in the found focus or found footage kind of thing, yes. the big wide angle. And then when she realizes, it shows her kind of register, and she's like, ah, and big smiles. And then she, her tone is totally changed; like she's kind of making fun of him, yeah. and then she's not at all. So it's it's definitely on purpose <laughs> to be very confusing ethically. <laughs> and the funny thing is, now you bring up the whole found footage thing. How hard was it doing the audio editing, knowing that you had to make sure that when you're doing it found footage. There has to be sounds of the mic rubbing on shirts and stuff and like matching that up. Was that a little difficult or were you just like, oh, we'll just use the real mics from the footage (laughs) to have it clipped uh and – I thought I mean, all you had to do was just go like this. Is that it? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, we have a great sound guy, the, just Joe Barucco. He's up in Montreal. He did all the post sound okay. and stuff. So they do they do a full Foley pass, and they 
he treated all the audio Jeez. when it's in that found footage to sound different. It's just like a, a choice that he kind of, I think he just did it on his own and did this really processed sound. So it has this totally different feeling to it. And when I, I didn't think it would work, but when I saw it, I was just like, oh, that's really cool. Like you could tell just by, you know, it already looks like crap, but it sounds like crap too. And it's just, it was just kind of an interesting choice. But yeah, having it just sort of be very rustly and, and yes. kind of hearing the movements of the camera and stuff. Yeah, that was really important just to make it feel kind of more visceral, like uh, I think how found footage films do it. Um, but it was fun to play with those two for sure. It was, I mean, and 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 also, because when I'm watching the movie and she does that interview and she's really hyper, uh, did mm-hmm. Gracie, when was there a point where you were watching her and you said cut and you were like, whoa, that was a lot. Because they're not the only ones witnessing this. It's people behind right. them being like, Jesus. Or for that matter, <laughs> was there any point in time where you had to be like, hey, maybe take it up a little bit more because she was still trying to find her way? Um, so, there, yeah, it's, uh, with the interview, uh, the way it was written was a little, I think in the script, it's a little bit more robotic, like her reactions okay. to things. Like when she when she freezes and stuff like that and the tear happens, that's all scripted, but there was this like total human detachment happening in the, in her head in the script. But what Gracie did was she kind of, when we shot that, that scene, I thought it was going to be, you know, it's very similar how it all plays out, the reactions and stuff like that. But when the tears started to happen and she's talking about this older couple and stuff like that, and there was like, uh, there, there was this weird feeling like everyone on set felt bad for her. <laughs> you know, they're like, wow, like I honestly feel bad for her. <laughs> And that wasn't intentional. Like wow. I, I thought it was gonna by the end it was just weird, not not emotional yeah. and not but it was a good thing that she brought that to it because it it does kind of make you feel a little bit more comfortable around her, like, oh, she's just weird and un you know, she doesn't really know. Whereas my I think the script was more like she's just totally detached human mm-hmm. and has no real experiences with you know, other humans and stuff like yeah. that. So so that was interesting to see. And um with 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 regards to Dan's question, um she uh so basically we her stuff was a lot of it was shot in order like um she didn't come till the second week of the shoot so we had already established kind of a tone and it's like oh this is creepy house movie we've got these two people walking in Mm -hmm. the dark blah 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 and then she comes in in week two and we kind of go back in time and we're we're doing the you know where they meet in front of the house Mm -hmm. and that was that you know it's it's always kind of difficult to figure out okay what's the first impression we get of this person and Gracie, what I wasn't expecting again was just sort of like this Melissa McCarthy goofiness. Yeah. To her, <laughs> yeah. Where she's just like that dorky, yes. dorky kind of thing. Adorable. Doing finger like, guns. Oh, look at yeah. her. And just like trying to be, you know, and it, it, it was just a lot, a lot broader than I was expecting, <laughs> yeah. which was funny because it's just very goofy. And it, and it added this weird energy to it that kind of kept going. And it, and it was really fun directing her because she would do a take. Of, of any scene and then you'd be like okay let's twi- let's change this let's let's you know be a little more valley girl on this take you know like really faking it for them mm-hmm. and, and then we would just kind of play with it and roll over and over and over and just have her do all these different things and every time she would do something really different and and it like it was really fun to watch for everybody but for me because i was editing the film i was just like i don't know what the hell to use like this is <laughs> so that was that was the bit the hardest part of editing the film was taking her from point a to point b and having it feel somewhat natural, like she she couldn't be insane off the off the bat, or else you wouldn't you know wouldn't really allow you to 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 see her as a, a normal human. 
but she had to be weird enough that it is like, you know, Sarah's giving these reactions and they're kind of just like, this is strange. <laughs> so it was just finding the right takes and building them together that that was, that was so challenging just because there's so many good takes that will never get seen because they just weren't right at that moment. Is there going to be a Christensen cut? And is this there going to be a it. blooper reel or anything right like now? that? I, I do have a blooper reel. It's I'm building the stuff. I have to deliver it pretty like next week for the the eventual Blu-ray and yes. stuff like that. But nice. Maybe I should go in and grab some more takes of her. But they weren't bloopers because they were just they were just alternate takes. Yeah. Now, do you have an audio um, commentary on the Blu-ray? I'm recording it this weekend. I think. Come on. Be. Very cool. That's fun. what I'm talking about. You just sold two already. <laughs> oh, there's no. What are you talking about? It's all. It's over. All, <laughs> now, uh, curiosity. What made you decide to have her give them an out? Like, if you would have just taken this deal, I would have let you go. Yeah. What made you do that? Um, I mean, that when I was writing it and I was doing the first draft, I was like, the movie could totally end right here. <laughs> but I was just like. That's not very satisfying. Uh-huh. You know, like if if, if yeah. she just does this thing and it's oh it's all a prank. So it was just it was a very short lived thought. Like I could maybe end it here, and it's just like no, I need to I need to give the horror fans what they want. Yes. which is going to be what happens <laughs> yeah. next. And so it's basically an entire act of the film. It's just like okay, this has been a slow burn pretty much to get to this point. Let's let's kind of have that cathartic release that everyone's wanting. Yes. They want to see it. I mean, the poster's got her bloody on it, you know, like oh, there's no... Oh, yeah. We know it's coming. It's, it's coming. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's like, it was kind of, that That was a quick discussion too. I mean, I say discussion, there's really, it's such a small movie. There's no one I'm talking to. I'm talking to a mirror. But um, <laughs> it's basically like, Brandon, what do you think about this? But I, I, I mean, the whole idea was, you know, with Creep, you have that poster where Mark's standing backlit by the porch yes. light. And it's like, you know, he's a bad guy. Mm-hmm. It's a horror movie. He's too friendly. You know, something's going to happen. And so it's just like... You know, you could you could go in two different ways here. You could one, you could try and hide it and be like, oh, she's just weird. And then, oh, crazy stuff happens. Or you can just say she's going to do that. Like she's going to be bloody soon and just sort of lean into it. Mm-hmm. And and that was the goal, because if, if someone's watching, it's like, oh, she's totally crazy. It's like, yeah, I know. Like, that's not the point yes. of the movie. Like, it's not a twist. It's just I would rather them not focus on that and just wonder what's good. You know, how are you going to get to that point? The, exactly. Yeah, that, I was thinking because I was like, when she got up and she's like, "Oh, you, she's not dead." You're like, "Oh, this whole thing was a, oh," and she's like, "I right. was gonna give you, I was gonna let you go," and I was like, I, right. that, "What a smart thing to do right here!" And be <laughs> like, "Leave well enough alone." Okay, this is how you want it. I was like, "Oh my god!" Now it went. <laughs> so it gave you a yeah. You're right. It gave us a release of oh. Oh, this is just a thing. Yeah. And then we let our guard down and you're like wrong yeah. again, buddy. Right. We're right and back to where we started. You know what I liked about that particular scene is that something she did that you've seen in a lot of movies before. And she does it in a way where it didn't really I'm going to use someone for example, but I'm not knocking his Absolutely. performance or the movie, but I'm talking about like, for instance, Matthew Lillard and scream when we find out the reveal in that one and he goes off on the big monologue and it just gets really, really over the top. Right. You know, um, she does the same thing, but it's the way she does it. She's so cool about it because it's almost like I, I got the impression that she was, even though she knew she had something that she had to take care of because they've, they've opened up that box and now she mm-hmm. has to fix that problem. Right. She was still able to kind of be able to like, oh, guys, you know, don't forget to hit subscribe and mm-hmm. all that shit. And she just seemed like she was having so much fun with it. Mm-hmm. And I liked how you did that versus, I don't know. I mean, that's just my opinion, of course, but it just feels like it didn't go so over the top. It was just par for that character. She never right. really changed. It's just part of who she is, you know? Yeah, and I mean, I think that that's 
kind of the whole thing is that you've got these two characters that are doing that. And so she's almost like mocking them. You know, she's like, yeah, for sure. Showing them what they would be doing in the situation and, and just sort of, ex- and, and her whole lie is just like, I mean, it's, they had so many chances to get away. You know? <laughs> like you, you can see Gracie went when she's standing in the middle of the road and she's like, it'll be so good for our video. She's looking right at Claire when she says that. Yeah. And then you can see it cuts to the front of the, to the behind them. And you can see Claire's eyes in the mirror following her because she she's just like she's if she just said no I'm good they probably would have been fine yes you know yeah. <laughs> and, or just turned but around views. And drove yeah. around views her a little is bit. all that matters views and yeah. views and views yeah yeah and so if they if they had just gone on the trip and just sort of enjoyed themselves and had you know a nice trip and let let Rebecca off in the background getting rid of bodies and stuff like that um, it would have been totally fine they would have gotten away fine but they, because of who they are they and what they decided to do it it kind of was their their downfall i also love the fact that she didn't let a lot of people like they'll get stabbed and they're able to run like five miles you're like Uh nope (laughs) you made it about a hundred yards and called it away (laughs) i was like oh this is a real movie right here he's like we're not doing this you know you're not a hero you're just not Mm -hmm. you are done and it's just a brilliant film that i'm just so glad that that shutter had on their main, as soon as you open the the, the mm-hmm. app, I'm like, hey, what? Yeah, that's got to feel good. <laughs> and if I would have known yeah. it was done by you who did It Stains the Sound. Dan, remember when I told you about that movie? How long ago <laughs> did we talk about that movie? I, I didn't direct that. I, I just you produced, produced it. it. Yeah. But your involvement exactly. still. I mean, it's. A, I would have been like, of I remember. We've been doing this, what, over four yes. years now, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think we talked about that one like the Ages first ago. year, maybe. Yeah, something like that. So yeah, Steve's a Steve's a massive oh, horror dude. fan. He's actually got I've always been a horror fan, but he's got mm-hmm. me way more into it, showing me yeah. so many different movies. So I've really been enjoying the whole horror aspect of this. And like I said, this time of year, we've been fortunate enough to talk to some other people too, like Matt Leslie of Summer of cool. 84. You nice. know, um I just have so much fun this time of year. I wanted to stay on track real quick because you had mentioned Montreal twice now. Yeah. Are you from Canada? I am, yeah. Okay. So that brings me to my next question. How did you get together with Blitz Berlin? Oh, cool. Um, so, oh, by the way, my, by the way, Martin says hello. I told him that we're going to be talking to you. We, oh, we interviewed him uh, earlier this year, and he told me to tell you hi. Nice. Yeah, we were talking yesterday. He's um, uh, so I didn't meet them. I, I had heard of them because uh, the guy who I wrote my first two films with, Colin Minihan, he he w- uh, did a film called Extraterrestrial, which um, Blitz Berlin yeah. was. That was their very first score. And so right. he brought them in because he was friends with them and they scored that film. And then when he did It Stands the Sands Red, Blitz Berlin scored that one as well. And so that <sighs> when I did my first film, Stillborn, it was just like, I'll just use those guys. We know them. We have a relationship with them. And so I worked with them for the first time there and we just had, you know, a lot of fun. It was just, they're both, you know, it's three dudes. They're very, we, we share a very similar sense of humor. <laughs> and so, it, <clears throat> uh, you know, when you're working together, it is... It's business, but it's also fun. Mm-hmm. And so we just sort of during Stillborn, we made, you know, we kind of created a relationship there. And um, and then on this one, I just sort of reached out. I was like, look, we have no money. It's just like a low budget <laughs> thing we want to do. It's pandemic movie. You know, would you guys be down? They're just like, yeah, for sure. And so we we just sort of worked on it again. And it was another great experience. And so now, I'm, you know, I've got another one uh, starting to ramp up and I'm talking to them about it too. So it's just, you know, that's kind of the whole thing for me is just sort of creating these relationships that you can um, you can sort of treat each other well mm-hmm. and 
fairly and and sort of come out of these things with cool projects that everyone's proud of, but they feel like they're a part of it. And, and it's not just sort of a job and just sort of having relationships that you can, you know, that are kind of everlasting. That's, that's, that's kind of my big goal every time I do a film. Like I'd love, you know, I can reach out to Keegan Connor Tracy anytime Jeez. from uh, Z yeah. and just sort of say, Hey, you know, check in. And, uh, that stuff to me is really cool. Just being able to form those, those bonds and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, Blitz, uh, Blitz is great. And, uh, you know, they're, they're just a super talented and fun dudes. Are you a music fan? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I don't know anyone who's not really a music fan. I, 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 like, I'm not like a big concert goer or anything like that. Um, but I love music. I love film scores. Uh, my tastes are super all over the place. You know, I definitely don't like country, but, uh, just, you know, I, I <laughs> you know, like things like I, I can see the Abbey road picture behind you. Yeah, I, yeah. I didn't really get it. Like I never really understood the Beatles until, I don't know, maybe three or four years ago. Mm-hmm. And I finally just sat down and listened to them. And I, I was just like, Oh, I totally get it. You know? <laughs> You're like, Oh, that's what it, it is. It's, <laughs> I, it's great. You know, it's just awesome. So, I mean, I, I don't really, I don't really have like a favorite or anything. I, I just sort of like random stuff. If I hear it and it sounds cool, I like it. I've got no real, I don't know. I, I got used to be a huge Michael Jackson fan, but um, come you know, on, when, Invinci- when, it, when it like Invincible came out and stuff, that was that was like peak Michael Jackson for me because I had gotten into you know I was I was a, only I was very young when Thriller came out and and, and bad and stuff yeah. like that. So, mm-hmm. um, but when Invincible had come out, you know eBay was a big thing. So we, my brother and I, we would buy old VHS tapes of his old concerts and stuff like that. <laughs> And just watch like, you know, live at Bucharest. Dude, he's and, not and human. All these. On that live in yeah. Bucharest, he's not human. Yeah. He's not a human. It's crazy. Dude. It's out of Yeah, and just seeing all the, the people just crying and <laughs> passing out in the crowds. It's wild, it was, man. It's crazy. We'll never get that again. We'll never. Yeah. Which, speaking of social media, since we have a tangible, uh, we can see the people online and sometimes they'll reply mm-hmm. to us. Michael, right. he didn't show up until you saw him. And then right. he disappeared. He was like a god yeah. of some sort. Then he'd appear somewhere. You're like, oh, now you can tangible get these these people throughout the week. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, movie stars are like that too now. Like you have Chris Pratt, he's very social. Yeah. He's very, you know, front forward face, but then you have someone like Leonardo DiCaprio who started younger and his, you know, his heyday or like when he became a massive star was kind of like Titanic yes. era where he there was no social media yes. yet. So he's but he's sort of he's like tied into that older Hollywood mm-hmm. thing, you know. Uh, uh so it, it's interesting cuz He's just him and Chris Pratt. They're probably, you know, they're doing the same scale of things, but they're just totally different because they came up at different times. But he's kind of like that. He's just like movie star. When you see him on the screen, it's just like, oh, shit, it's Leonardo DiCaprio. I didn't see his tweet. I didn't see him on Instagram live story. Like when you see him, it's because he's it's on purpose. Absolutely. You know, he's doing this film. I totally agree. So it's. It's different now. Like I can watch, you know, you, you like someone, you go and follow them on Instagram or whatever, and you can see them and you're just like, oh, wow, you, you think that? Like your opinion sucks. Exactly. I, I don't like you as much anymore. Ex- unfollow. Yeah. Exactly. That's, and it's, Leo, you're just, it, it's just like. The only people that really bridge that gap of uh, I'm a movie star from back in the day and I'm social mm-hmm. is Tom Cruise. He does them both Or Tom somehow. Hanks, too, a little bit. Oh, and Tom Hanks, you're right. You're right. <clears throat> yeah, he's he's definitely... I mean, he's not too social, but he's, you know, he's big on SNL, and he's got, you know, he's done a ton of podcast stuff, and he's just sort of become the friendly face of superstardom. Um, he really But yeah, is. Tom Cruise is for sure, he's... Uh, 
He's an interesting He's different. Guy. And I argue with Dan because I'm just like. We talk about this often. Yeah, I, say, I say Tom <laughs> Hanks gets, play, gets paid to play Tom Hanks. He doesn't really act. Right. He just is himself in different situations, which is kind of the. Are you talking about Cruz or Hanks? Hanks. Because they both kind of do the same. Okay, Cruz, okay. I could see him kind of. The only thing he's done different is like Magnolia and. Um, um, Tropic Thunder. Yeah, Tropic. Those are the two things you're like, oh, he acts, acts. Right. And, yeah. See what what I think about Cruz though is like he sort of found a formula and he mm-hmm. stayed with that persona more or less yeah. and is used utilized in all of his movies. But I do feel you, Steve. I do feel like when Tom Hanks is on, it's just like oh, I that's can just how watch Tom him be at my house. Yeah, I can just watch or, you Tom know, Hanks be Tom Hanks. Be like, yeah, let's do this. Comfort yeah. food. And it's certainly not a knock. It's just no. it's just that's just it is what it is. You know what I mean? I love watching Tom Hanks. So yeah, it was it was like Finding Neverland when he played Walt Disney, and you've got that like he looks nothing like. That. <laughs> When you, no. when you when you see him for the first time, and you're just like, it's Tom Hanks. But then 10 minutes into the movie, you're like, it's Walt, it's it's Walt, Walt Disney. Disney. You know? yeah, so I'm I, in. That's my Walt Disney. Now. That is so funny. <laughs> you know? um, he just sort of takes on the persona. Speaking of stars, who was the first? Well, I guess it wouldn't be stars unless you're a horror fanatic. Who was the, the horror director that made you say, or movie that made you say, I want to do that? Um, That's, that's yeah, that's interesting. So, I mean, it it's kind of like... um. When I started to see films like Blair Witch and Paranormal Activity, oh, nice. even though they were kind of spaced out, mm-hmm. uh, you know, far, I was only in the eighth grade when uh, Blair Witch came out, but that was kind of the first experience I had with low budget mm-hmm. horror, you know, like actually, you know, that was like the $30,000 movie that no one knows where they spent the $30,000, but um, <laughs> like that, that was, I think it was like Paranormal Activity when you hear about how he shot it for like eight grand, he just redecorated his house, you know, bought a bunch of stuff and then made it. Um, it sort of became like a tangible thing Mm -hmm. that it's not just, you you know, I was starting, I went to film school and this came out shortly after that. And it, you know, my feelings towards watching films and how, how you make them, like my interest was in how you make them now. And so when I would watch stuff, I would be looking for the seams and (laughs) looking for that. And, and that, you know, being, seeing a movie that was made for $8,000, whatever it was, and it being on the big screen and in a theater, it kind of gave it a tangible, Mm -hmm. um, like oh I like that's so cheap I could make that mm-hmm. you know and it starts to make you go down that that path and then you start seeing the Blumhouse movies like Insidi- Insidious and um, uh, they didn't do this but Sinister and and they're just like these very small films mm-hmm. they're in a house you know I can find a house I live in a house like I can I can make a movie in a house yeah. and so it's it's just like it was it was there was sort of this series of events and this gradient from you know, movies are just movies that I enjoy mm-hmm. to movies are movies that I could potentially make. And so that was, it was just sort of bridging that gap that those films were just sort of showing like, oh, you can do cheap things and, and still kind of make them accessible to a wider audience. That's really smart because I'm wondering how, uh, speaking of Blumhouse, how do you feel about that? I think it's genius. How do you feel about that Blumhouse uh, uh, way of doing things where it's like, I'm going to give $5 million to 20 different people. Right. Do whatever yeah. you want. One of them is going to hit. Do you think that's a great yeah. way of bringing directors up or do you think that could get, totally. uh, because with Blumhouse came a massive influx of horror that may be good or yeah. just may be horrible, but there's a lot of it. What do you think about the the Blumhouse uh, math? I think Jason Blum's a genius for doing what he's done. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, you know, he's got Oscar winning films now this is true. because he just gives, you know, he finds talent and gives them money and there's math involved. It's like, okay, I can get M night Shyamalan and he's going to bring me $3 million in foreign, you know, receipts. Mm-hmm. I'll give him $2 million 
and let him make the the visit and so you know good. and he basically so good and he he basically brought him back from the dead you know from from obscurity because he made a ton of big budget crappy movies mm-hmm. and this was him kind of being like i'm going to do something small and personal and fun and um and he made the visit and then he made split which were both oh, awesome on, you know yeah. and uh and just very distinctly m night and uh it was just kind of you know he gave him a chance to sort of get his career going again and then he made old which apparently i haven't it's not supposed to be that good no, i don't seen it yet. yeah you yeah, you, 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 <laughs> could, you could hold off on that i think unfortunately yeah. the more money you give shima sometimes right. he just yeah. does to but the visit genuinely had you're right i forgot that that was a blumhouse uh mm-hmm. that's such a standout movie for me over the past blumhouse. few years you're right Great. You're totally right. So, and he does that with other people. He just gives, you know, he f- there's just just a lot of math that goes into it. Like for me, he'd be like, okay, he can make forty thousand dollars. So if I give him twenty thousand dollars, know, then. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, it's it's just like it's it's all just, and then you get you know you get a bunch of them. Like you give Jordan Peele a bunch of money, and he he can make his thing. I think it was like five million or something like that. And, and if if one fails, it doesn't matter because a, a hit covers so many of yes, the losses dude. that and his hits just, it's are just like big hits they're big yeah, yeah they're massive sure. hits and i think that's a as a producer i know you can also um you know how you produced it stains the uh, sand red you can see how uh oh for two million dollars you can make mm-hmm. like some people are like oh that's not a lot of money but from someone like who's seen low budget movies you could say mm-hmm. i could make two million dollars stretch for how long forever you know i I could (laughs) do amazing things but when we're so used to 300 million dollar budgets when you hear two million dollars you're like well then yeah yeah they i guess they can do whatever with that money but if someone as a producer you could say do you understand what i could do what magic i can make with two million dollars and then someone driving away being like have fun do whatever you want with that money you're like okay let's make every movie movie i've made and been a part of like uh producing or uh, the budgets of all of them combined aren't two million that is amazing Brandon. (laughs) that's crazy that is a sound clip what my man is making something out of nothing right there man that's awesome i thought stillborn by itself was two million dollars no it's like 150 canadian (laughs) (laughs) it was very small yeah, it was small. That's wild. That looks like a it's multi-million funny, dollar movie. Well, it came out like uh, Latin America. It, it opened wide in a bunch of countries. Like uh, if you go on box office, Mojo, uh, when it came out in Colombia, it was second under the Avengers Infinity War. <laughs> Come on. It was, and it was like, and, 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 <laughs> wow. and I, I don't see anything from that. Like that doesn't affect oh. me at all beyond just being like a weird thing that I'm like, why how the hell is this? <laughs> it's a sweet flex, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a cool flex, but it's it's very strange. Um, I, uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I've definitely, I've sort of found my niche is like making cheap, cheap films and making them somewhat marketable. Um, but it's been, it's been interesting. That's cool. On that note, I wanted to actually ask you about that. So you said you found your niche in doing that, and it seems like you're doing it very, very well. Do you have any others? Like, like, do you have any um, ideas that you've been throwing around? Not that I'm asking you for the literal idea, but something that you you know what? I think it's going to require me to go a little bit bigger. Something I I'm going to just keep putting off until that time is right. Do you have that dream project? Or are you just kind of doing what you do? Uh, yeah, I definitely do. I have a pipe dream project. It's it's like uh, my brother and I have been writing now, and we wrote a he wrote a, a two part book. Uh, probably five years ago, he started it, and then he wrote the sequel a little bit later. But we adapted the first book into a nine-episode series, oh, nice. and it's kind of like a horror thriller throwback '80s kind of, uh, you know, about a small town and and sort of uh, 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 just 
a lot of you know pe- people people what what happens behind closed doors kind of situation mm-hmm. but it's just it's one of those pipe dream projects that we would love to do and we've we've sent it out like a lot of you know we've we've got a producer on it that's sent it to different places like uh, and they've all sort of turned it down right now it's just the wrong time it's just one of those projects that i think will eventually happen it's just not the right time for it and it's it's a huge undertaking um it would be a massive step up but we wrote another script that i'm just waiting for the deal to close and then we'll we'll be shooting it in the, the beginning of the year uh next year so that's that's a bit bigger it's definitely a broader scope which will be fun still horror but uh a lot more characters than only four and uh, a lot more locations than only one so it'll be kind of you know it'll be i've definitely sort of you know we were talking about blumhouse when we did it stains the sands red it was such a grueling shoot because we're out in the desert oh my god hours (laughs) every day you have to drive there drive back it's just a total it's demoralizing and so when we when we were talking about what we could do next, we we're like, well, what, you know, the Blumhouse model where you basically shoot in one location, uh-huh. you have maybe one or two days at another location just to open up the scope of the film. But for the most part, everything takes place in this one location. And that, that led to Stillborn and Z and then Superhost was basically the same idea. It's just like keep things small. And I'm definitely starting to get out of that a little bit with the, the, the future stuff because it's, it's hard to be in the same location for that oh, long. Oh, dude. When you're just... It's just, it's a weird way to make a movie when you're like shooting five different scenes. You're like, okay, the camera's set up here. We're going to shoot the scene. It's faster if you just change your wardrobe and come back and we'll shoot part of the next scene and then we'll move the camera and then we'll go through the fight. Like you have to do that a lot because of time and stuff like that. And it's just, it's not the best way to make a movie. So having more locations, we're like, ah, we only got one shot here. We got to do it right. Um, that, that'll be nice. From my viewing perspective, it seems like you didn't really need anything else when it comes to Superhost, but. I'm assuming COVID had to play something into that. So yeah. were there were there some desired locations that you weren't able to actually get to, or was it just a matter of like reducing crew? Um, I mean, reducing crew is a big thing because about we didn't know anything going into this, like uh, how COVID would play a, a role. We'd heard uh, horror stories where like you know five hundred thousand dollar film spent one hundred and fifty thousand on on COVID related. Oh stuff. my god! And dude. so when we you know we we basically just sort of built this thing to be as small as possible. And then it just went once we got sort of more clarity on how much we'd have to spend. It was like 15% of our budget had to go towards like a set medic and testing and all that stuff. Uh, Once we had that, it was just like, okay, we got to scrape off more of the crew. So like the PA was gone. The assistant director was gone. It was just, you know, it was me and six other crew people out in that, you know, in that house. We just couldn't afford, um, you know, a full kind of. The full gamut, I guess. So if you looked at like Stillborn or Z's crews, and then you look at this, it's laughable how small it was. <laughs> like I know that uh, speaking of those crew sizes, when you go from producer to director, even though you produce and direct a certain movies, what was, do you remember the first day where people were like, so what are we going to do here? And they all look at you and you're like, oh, that's right. <laughs> I'm supposed yeah. to know the answer to that. Um, oh, this is where I talk. Yeah, this is where I talk. Me. Okay. Uh, I guess. Well, do you remember where you're like, I'm the director. Like I, right. it's on me. So with Stillborn, we, uh, I, I lived in, I live in Las Vegas, and we shot that up in Calgary, which is where uh, I'm from. And so I went up there, and I was doing like my first crew meeting with all the heads <laughs> yeah. of the departments, and these are all like 22, 23 year olds. Like they're all stepping up a level because yeah. it's such a low budget. But um, I'm sitting there at a table and there's like, you know, 10 different departments and I'm just, you know, uh, we go through the entire script together and it was the very, it was definitely like a, a cold dose of reality. Like I need answers for everybody for on everything. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's, it's, a, it's a thing that never really goes away. Like it's always overwhelming, but 
your confidence in your ability to make snap decisions or lie really well is um <laughs> it just, that that gets better you know so if someone's like oh i i've got these two sweaters i need to 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 wear uh, or this character needs to wear in the scene which one is it you know before it'd be like well blue's really nice it might you know, affect our eyes and now it's just like I don't care. Go red. Just wear the red shirt. <laughs> you know, it's fine. Just, I don't care. There's, there's things that you need to worry about. Yeah. And there's things that you don't need to worry about. And that's a, you know, not saying that wardrobe's not important, just that certain wardrobe choices are, it doesn't really matter. So I'm getting better at like weeding out the things that actually matter yeah. and being able to just sort of shit out an answer for something that doesn't. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you a bit of an embarrassing question now. Do you ever oh, look boy. in the mirror and be like, I'm a freaking movie director? Like I'm a no. movie director, isn't that crazy? Like what? This is what I call a Steve question, by the <laughs> way. I just yes. wanted to point Looking that out. Looking in the mirror and be like, "Yo, I'm a freaking <laughs> film director around here." That's crazy. It's not like I I think that I do have confidence in myself in certain things. I mean, when I you know when I get off this call, I'm going back to dad mode. So it's yeah, well yeah. That the movie director part doesn't really help me in that aspect yeah. so it's, it's not like my kid's not eating his dinner it's like well damn it i'm a movie director eat your goddamn beans you know, you know so, what i wrote yeah still bored yeah so it's like there's definitely a switch that turns on you know if i have to do some press i have to do whatever yeah you know, it, it you turn on sort of that but in general i'm pretty quiet and 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 whatever uh, but I mean you know it is it's definitely cool I, I feel like I've accomplished a lot of goals yes, up to this dude. point it's always about the next step mm-hmm. you know like I'm trying to get bigger and do more and you know right like I did uh, I shot Stillborn in 2016 I shot Z in 2018 I shot Superhost in 2020 and I'm like how do I do double that you know I want to do awesome, two man. I want to do one every year and so Z came out last year because of just a delay in release mm-hmm. and then Superhost came out and so next year it looks like this new movie I'm doing will be out by Halloween. So I would have three years in a row with the movie. And I'm like, okay, cool. I want to build on that. And so it's, it, you know, there is, you don't want to be complacent because yes. then you look over and you see Mike Flanagan and he's got like 18 TV Dude, shows and seven come movies. come on, man. Where did like, that well, how come the hell, from? Yeah. How, <laughs> like, what? No, how the hell happened? are you doing that? So <laughs> anytime that you, you sort of get some confidence, there is always that, that harsh slap in the face from someone that's doing way more than you. And you're just like, okay, I got to get to that guy's level and you just, I don't know how I'm just going to go sit down and, you know, dude, read, watch YouTube for a bit. I, I'm calling it. <laughs> you're a super dude. I'm, I'm calling you. You're going to be the director extraordinaire. You're that now to me. If I were you, bro, I would be the one asking what everyone does at a dinner table just to get the conversation started. So what do you do? And wait till it comes around uh, to me. Be like, yeah, I direct films. Jay. <laughs> Next uh, question. It's a tough one. I <laughs> what had, are you uh, talking about? Stillborn. Never heard of it. <laughs> With my uh, Steve, Steve's asking you to flop it out on the table and show him how big it is. Is basically what he's saying. I don't know if it'll reach the table. Um, just now, nah, don't tell him that. You said you're good at lying. Just tell him you'll take out just so enough to beat funny. him. You know right. what I mean? He'll put your eye out. Um, I, I, uh, I just that, that just this just happened the other day. My my son just had his tenth birthday and uh, he had a bunch of kids from school come uh-huh. over and and one of the parents who I. Like my wife is friends with the moms, but I'd never met one of the dads and he came over with them because I guess the wife and him were going on date night, whatever. And he walks in and he just goes like, oh, I expected your house to be more dressed up because of what you do. Oh, Jesus. And I'm just like, 
I'm like, I, I don't, I, that small talk, I'm just like, I can't do that. I'm like, oh, oh. I'm lazy. I got to get out of this conversation. It, it, it's it, odd, backhanded compliment. Exactly. Like, what do I, I don't even know what to say to that. Right. My wife decorates. I don't know. I don't care about this. I just want to, I want you guys to all leave so I can go upstairs and ignore the kids for the next few hours. That's so um, funny, G. But yeah, so it's, it's, it just depends. I mean, it's all context. Like if, you know, if you get put on the spot like that, it's, uh, I, I don't know how to answer that. But in, in a situation like this where I'm talking, you know, I can talk more openly about it. I don't, because my answers tend to be very long. So if he's just like, ah, oh, making a quick quip, I, I could spend five <laughs> minutes answering that question and it would bore the hell out of him. So it's like, uh, I'm just going to shut up and this conversation is, is over now. <laughs> exactly. Because you're, you're not really interested in what I do. You're yeah, just exactly. making a, you're you making know. a pithy comment that, <laughs> that put so me on the cool. defense, and I'm like, ah, God, I don't know. What? I, yeah, decorations are neat, I guess. See, you're the nice. That. That, you're the type of person that should be like. That's why you're a, a big director because you don't have. the You got to stop saying ego. big. I, I just told you the total budgets <laughs> of my films, bro. It's just direct. You have been interviewed on a red carpet, man. Yeah, but that's big. I, mean, I see again. It's like it's it is all context yes i mean like when i'm there it's just like okay there's this is what it is but if you see it from your perspective i can see that that's that's cool yeah that's the thing it's like you know i for the longest time used to think that too like the uh, example that you give of your uh, kid's friend's parent right you know what i mean it's like you talk to somebody that is making movies and is a director and has a film that's out on a streaming service and that does seem pretty massive to someone that doesn't have any understanding or something right. like that so I, I i get that but i imagine yeah, I mean, you're just, you're in your head, you're just brand. However, it's doing your thing and, right. and trying to put some food on the table and make some cool shit that people For will sure. enjoy. Killing you know it I mean? doing so his thing. On that note of, you know, talking about like big directors or big movies or anything like that, what are you feeling these days? Who do you think has really got the chops or who's killing it in, in the theater or on the big screen right now or just, you know, in horror, any genre for that yeah. matter? Uh, I mean, my favorite director right now is uh, David Fincher. Like he's mm. sort of been the most influential for me, and in, just in terms of filmmaking as a craft, yep. like how you think about a scene and how it plays out, and um, that, that's why I don't ever shoot handheld or anything like that. It's always very, very sticks and dollies. Just if the movement, you know, if you're going to move the camera, it should be motivated by something on screen. But just I, I just think that no one in the business has. Uh, the craftsmanship that he has, like you can see, I mean, there, there's several filmmakers that you can see a frame from their movie and you can identify it. He's one of them. Just his aesthetic, everything is just very, very uh, evocative to me. I think he's just, I think he's just beyond brilliant. That being said, I didn't love Mank, but uh, <laughs> he, uh, I appreciated it more than I, I, I dug it as a film, but you know, the social network's my favorite movie. I just think it's just like it's movie. Aaron Sorkin's script is insane. Uh, the performances are all amazing. It's technically just brilliant. But in the horror space, I mean, Mike Flanagan, what he's doing is just absurd. You know, just his output alone and just the quality. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw Midnight Mass, but it's sure great. did. Yes. It's fantastic. So Holy man. crap! So good. And and you can tell he wrote a great essay on Bloody Disgusting about sort of getting to the point where he could make it in his career. And it is, you know, for someone like me who's still fairly new in the business and not doing, you know, he. I mean, he went from absentia which I don't think is very good, which is a very low-budget film. And then he went from that to Oculus, which is Love like a $5 billion Oculus. film. Oh. And Oculus is incredible. Gosh. And I don't know how... If you watch Absentia, you're just like, how the hell did he go from that to this in <laughs> yeah. like three years? Yeah. It's insane. But And then, you know, his output, like, uh, it, it's just... 
top quality and he keeps getting bigger and bigger and doing bigger and better things because he's just I, I, I don't know how he does it. He's got kids. He's got a wife. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it, I don't get it, but yeah. um, dude, dude's just a workaholic and, and he just outputs great stuff. So I just think he's incredibly inspiring just for what he's doing. And it's not just like crappy, forgettable horror. It's, you know, everything's emotionally involving and great characters and, and just the way he does things is great. James Wan, he, he set yes. up a lot of what's happening right now in horror. You know, like Insidious was huge. Uh, Dead Silence was kind of a little bit more forgettable but i mean he did a lot of stuff that led to uh to to like insidious just the style of horror that he was doing but um you know he created saw he created the conjuring universe like it's insane what he's done for you know horror. he created billion dollar franchises and that's why he can greenlight a movie like malignant which personally i don't fully understand (laughs) (laughs) that was a movie it was a movie. I was like, am I seeing the wrong? And I think the dope thing about James Wan is I thought it was a multiple for Saul. It was made in multiple buildings. And it was like, no, he just had the budget to do it in this right. random warehouse in L.A. I was awesome. like, what? You just yeah. have to do what, what you have, dude. Totally. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's really genius. I really appreciate that as a filmmaker, you still have the ability to actually give a critique on something like that. How is that with you? Like when you're reading reviews or anything like that, or if you hear maybe, uh, um, I don't know if this has even been the case with you and I don't know how it would come for me. It wouldn't so far anyway, but it's like, you know, if maybe you hear like a less than flattering review about something that you've done, does that get to you? Does that keep you up at night? It depends on what they say. Like, I know what a lot of the problems are like, and I'll, and not, not only just from reviews, but when I make something like, I know it's not going to be perfect because, you know, I'm only, I, am editing and I'm directing and like, I'm not perfect. So it's, it's going to be, there's going to be problems and you're just sort of band-aiding them because that's just sort of the nature of, of indies. Um, but there, I mean, I, I do read a lot of the stuff. I hopefully get away from that because it can be a total bummer, but it's, it's weird. The thing, like you'll see something where it's like, I've talked to people and I, or, and I've read things where I'm just like, they totally missed like big things. Um, I, I don't understand where like, so they're coming from a position that is not right. Like mm-hmm. it's not an objective, subjective thing. Yes. They're just wrong about what they interpreted and that's fine. They didn't like it. I don't care. But the fact like, at least I know like, okay, well it didn't work for them because they didn't get it. Yes. It's not like it's deep or anything like that. It's just, it's just, they missed something, whatever. I know for a fact that that works uh, and certain things don't. So um, when you do see something from someone that you respect or something like that, and they come out and they've got problems where you're like, ah, they hit on the thing that I know. The one thing that bugged me too. Yeah. That that's harder because I'm like, I like, I should have taken the time to fix that thing, but you know, I'm doing editing, I'm doing the VFX, I'm doing all these things. So I'm like very, it's, it's just sort of compartmentalized into pieces and everything's kind of a vacuum. But uh, yeah, I mean, in general, I don't think negativity bothers me. I mean, it definitely gives you an appreciation for, or not an appreciation, but it gives you just sort of, uh, what's the word? It's just, I am I sort of understand how every, like Rotten Tomatoes isn't the Rotten Tomatoes that it was yeah. 10 years ago. You yeah. know, if you look at the top 100 movies or whatever on Rotten Tomatoes before, it was like Shawshank Redemption got like very similar to the IMDb list. Yes. But now you look and it's like, it's it's all stuff made in the last three years. Yeah, you know, it's, it's playing <laughs> yeah. this week. Yeah, like everything is certified ev- except for Superhost. Everything's certified fresh. Everything is ninety percent and up, unless it's like my, the new Halloween for some reason gets knocked down to fifty. So weird, dude. And it's 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 almost just like one person says something and then they're all like, 
yeah, you know, no one wants to really stand out. And so it's, yes. just, it's very homogenous, I feel like. There's not, I feel like the divisive movies like something like Malignant are the ones that are the most popular because people really like it or they just don't at all. And so it's, it, it is kind of just, uh, I don't know. It's, it's a thing that exists. I mean, every, you know, there's so many reviews out there for these films. Like there's so many podcasts, there's so many yes. YouTube channels, there's so mm-hmm. many right. blogs and things like that. So there's so much content coming in. You sort of get a base understanding for what is working and what isn't working. And it's, it's less about being upset about it and more just being like, okay, how do I fix that going forward? Like, I need to think about this specific thing next time because it's not working for whatever reason. So, it, it, you know, it, is, it can be very informative. Um, it's just, you know, you, d- you definitely don't want to attach your emotions to it because it can, you can spiral pretty quickly. <laughs> oh, no question. So, yeah. And I love the fact that you make, you know, straight up horror. You don't make the cerebral stuff that I I can't stand cerebral horror. I just don't like yeah. it. Whereas at the end, you're like, what do you think happened? I'm like, no, this uh-huh. is not what I paid for. I want you to be like, this is what this movie is about. Give me the conclusion monster. to this movie I need. Exactly. The monster existed. The end. I don't want no, yeah, interesting. It was, look at the shots. Right. and No, 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 no. I'm, not I everything to has be... to be Inception. Thank you! Thank you! Yes. Not everything has to be freaking Inception. You know what I'm saying? I want an ending, like you're saying with David Fincher. On Seven, it wasn't a situation of what do yeah. you think happened? Yeah. Who knows? Be like, no, no, no. Her head is in the box. Game yeah. over. That's what happened. They didn't show it, but you know it's in the box. <laughs> Thank you. You know what's yeah. in the... Whereas nowadays, they'd be like, they show them cutting something open, then the, the credits go, and they'll be like, oh, right. I know what. I know well, what's going to be in the... <laughs> It's funny because, I mean, Stillborn has the Inception ending where the dad looks in the crib and you don't see what he sees. And then Z has the boy saying goodnight, Z. And, I mean, I I feel like the answer's in the movie if yeah. you watch and you hear. But it is still very just, like, vague. I think Superhouse is the first ending I did where it's like, bad guy wins, they lose, game over, you know, credits roll. I think bad guy <laughs> wins in both your other movies. Bad guy wins. Yeah, probably. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it was not even... At the end of both, I'm like, oh, I know what. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Cool. Good night, Z. Like, yeah. If that works for you, that's great. Because I know a lot of people are like, is there a sequel? Is this sequel bait? What's happening? And I'm just uh, like, no. It's, uh, both could. Both yeah. could. There's no question about that. Z was a disturbing movie, man. It, there's always been something, again, like I, get, like I was getting at with Superhost. There's like certain things that you see in movies that are not cliche, but if they take place, they... they Again, for the lack of a better word, trigger me. You know what I mean? And it's always been things like I've watched it on YouTube videos or TikTok videos where it's like, you know, you see like the baby, uh, the baby monitor camera and like the kid has got something's got its full attention, you know, or a dog that will you're walking it somewhere and it just stops. And, you know, there's something out there, but you don't know what it is. I think that it does it masterfully. Yes. You did such such a good job with this movie and just creepy as shit. And I got to tell you, we were talking about this right before you came on. Mm -hmm. Dude, again, a slight spoiler. I won't even really go into it. It's it's been you know it's an older movie, but still, when that kid Jay falls, <laughs> Jesus. holy shit! I was not expecting that, man. That got me. I was like, oh my god, <laughs> That's man. so crazy. I had a house full of people. We, we were watching. Actually, I, I rewatched your movies this week, mm-hmm. and uh, I had a house full of people that were you know the family and everything. And when we watched it, every single person jumped at that part, man. Nice. It was fantastic. That's cool. What was your inspiration on that one? Like, did you have uh, imaginary friends when you were a kid, or? Um, no, I, I didn't have an imaginary friend. I mean, I had a recurring nightmare about Pennywise because I saw the the Ooh, it miniseries when I was yes. far too young. Oh, Tim Curry, Jack. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, just being a parent, it's just kind of like looking at what's happening in your day-to-day life and 
and finding those moments that could have a twist of horror to it. Like, you know, your kid goes upstairs to play and he's out of view and it's like that would really suck if he just jumped over the over the balcony and landed head first on this thing. And I I don't think I'm alone in that fear. I don't, did you guys have kids? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, so yeah. you've you've uh, you've had that. Like, just the kids are just like walking suicide machines. Yes, absolutely. It's, your job as a parent for the first couple of years is basically suicide prevention. Mm-hmm. It's just they're gonna walk into traffic. They're gonna walk <laughs> into whatever. It's awful. And so that's you know it's if you apply that kind of. I take my eye off them, what can happen and put it to an older kid or something like that, that is capable of more stuff. Um, that was just sort of the inspiration. It's just like how, what are some horrible things that can happen as a parent? Dude. <laughs> What's the worst thing that could happen sitting here while my kid plays upstairs? That's probably it. But the thing is you had to add the banging his head on the rail <laughs> on the way down. <laughs> well, so when we shot, when we, that house is actually the neighbor's house from the main house of the shoot. We just, no one else would let us go in. Oh, okay. Um, low budget. We couldn't like afford to pay a ton of money. So we went to the house and it was just like the, the owner was friendly and was like, yeah, you can shoot here for a day. And we're like, great. So we went in and we, the script just called for him to fall in the background <laughs> and just like land on the ground. Yeah. But this house didn't have that. It had the double staircase. So mm-hmm. we were just like, I was like, I, we need to find somewhere else. It's not going to work. And so it was just like, well, this is all we got. So it's like, all right, cool. Make it work. So the day of we're shooting and we threw the dummy and it just went like straight down, just like a blur. Just yeah. Didn't see it. And then it's just like, okay, let's do it again. Can you slow it down? It's like, well, we're just dropping it. It's gravity. So it just dropping, it just shoots down. We do it a few more times. It's just like, this. it doesn't read. Like it's too fast. It's yeah. just half of a second of a blur. So it's like, here, let's throw them at the banister. Let's wrap the banister with them <laughs> with bubble tape or bubble wrap. And then let's do that. And then it's like, bong. And you're like, oh, you're like, that's Whoa. it. That, yeah. And it's right when she's <laughs> so, like, I just have to take care of myself. Boom. You're like, yeah. oh, my God. oh yeah. <laughs> shit. Yeah. It's just, uh, and you just know it's going to be bad news too. When she's like, he's like, I forgot. I'm so sorry. I'm blanking on the kid's name that fell, but he's like, where's he Daniel, at? Yeah. Oh, he's up. Yeah. He's upstairs. <laughs> Boom. Kid makes the beeline. For, oh, you know, some shit's going Oh, down. dude, dude. It was so good. And then the little flash of the creature in the playground, little area uh-huh. where he goes through the tube. You're like, oh, this is a monster. <laughs> okay i thought it was gonna be like mysterious we know it's right but when you see it go what was the choice of saying i'm gonna let you see, like this is the part where i'm gonna let you see that there's something well we had two scenes like that in the film one we forgot to film because we're dumb and the other we like shot so so so, I, so we had like you, early in the film the mom puts away laundry walks out of the room uh-huh. and there's eyes over her shoulder in the closet and is that we train, had a, yeah yeah, yeah. So we had a second part of that that played out where she does the same thing, and uh, there's eyes in the closet again, but she sees the trains on the thing. She thinks, oh, yeah. And, and then she was gonna like turn, do the light thing, and then there was gonna be like the the guy would be right in front of her when she does. Like, oh, that would have been great. Yeah. It, it, I was I was telling my wife. I'm sorry because I was telling my wife. I'm like, I really hope that that's what happens because that would be so. I mean, you know, obviously you forgot about it yeah. and everything, but yeah, that great fucking idea, man. man. It was scripted, and we shot half of it, but. We didn't have the kid yet, and he was part of it because there was a scene where they play hide and seek. It's not in the film because we only shot half of it. Yes. Basically, she's playing hide and seek to try and be good mom, and then she can't find him, gets frustrated, and then she hears the door like creak. And we shot all that, and then she goes, looks in, sees the eyes, all the stuff happens, and she reacts. And because we didn't have Jet when we shot that, the, the little kid, we only shot half of it. And we're like, okay, we're going to turn around, do the other half of it later, and we just never did it. 
So <laughs> I don't know how it happened, but when I was editing the film, I was like editing the scenes up leading up to it. I'm like, wait, where's the, oh, oh we didn't shoot it. <laughs> so that was going to be like the big glimpse of Z. Like it would have been just like a quick flash of, you know, scary face. But um, we had the the play zone moment basically around the same point, and it was like, okay, it's fine, it still works, but it was it was just such a failure. As a, <laughs> you know, you're just like, how does that happen? Like half of a scene was just not shot. So the the deleted scene, like you can see part of it uh, on YouTube and and on the Blu-ray, but it's uh, yeah, it was that was deflating to have to see that. It's a like, bummer. Oh, that, but do you think is there no chance of a of a, a Z sequel? Probably not. No, a sequel. I mean, oh goodness! <laughs> sorry, I'm no, sorry. I, I did mention I'm a dad, right? Okay. Yeah, I I felt like that was one where it was just like I felt it was kind of just this one family dealing okay. with this thing. There's it was never really meant to do that. Um, stillborn, definitely because of the genericness of the demon. Um, that that probably has more sequel potential. But again, it's 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 hard to do that sometimes. You know, it's fun to kind of explore new things and try new things out. So um, we'll see. Maybe I'll create a new demon that'll that'll have sequel potential because that's where the money is apparently. Oh, that bathtub scene! Oh, dude! In in dude. in Z was was well done too, man. Just a little like she turns her head. Obviously, you know the movie; it's your movie. But the whole splashing of the water on her face. Uh-huh. Like, oh shit! She's gonna have to turn her head in just a moment. <laughs> that was that was really cool. That's funny. How much CGI did you use in that? Um, we had an actor, uh, playing him and he was in full makeup and everything. I just basically made his eyes bigger and his mouth smaller. So it just had mm-hmm. this like weird oh, cutesy wow. little boy look kind of looks like Michael Jackson a little bit, Yes, but <laughs> it was just, I mean, that was the hardest thing was just like, how, how do we make this something that a kid could look at? And it's like, oh, he's friendly enough to play with, but an adult <laughs> would look at it and be like, this is terrifying. <laughs> So it's like, you know, big smile, big eyes, kind of having a puppy dog look. It's like, okay, kids are dumb, you know. Yeah. We can we can we can forgive him for playing with this thing. He has no friends. But yeah, it was it was not a lot. I mean, there you only see him so so briefly that uh it was just kind of a little bit of enhancements and just like playing with where, you know, squeezing things in a little tighter and stuff like that and just uh taking the tall naked man trope and just making him a little little more naked, I guess. <laughs> That's real. I was curious though, was that intentional to just show him just ever so much or was it a budget thing? Like, did you ever think about, you know what, I want to have this big scene where we get the big reveal right. and, or, or was it just a matter of, ah, let's just keep it like a mystery. Budget definitely is part of it. I mean, that was, you know, the sub $500,000 Canadian movie. So it's, it's, that's part of it. Uh, the other part is just kind of the Jaws thing. Like mm. they, you know, they tried yeah. to make it work and it had their shark worked. The movie probably wouldn't be that good. You know, it'd be a lot less scary because you see it in all its glory. So um, it's just one of those things that I feel like less is more in that. Like the audiences fill in the blanks. um, No, you're right. Because they're going to, you know, if you don't see it, you're going to start thinking like, well, what is it? And you're trying to sort of, you know, answer that for yourself. But yeah, budget's always a huge part of it. If I had like Hollywood money and I had a Hollywood create like a artist that could create a great design, like the Babadook or something like that, that is great to see. Like it's very iconic looking. I think things would be different. It's just, I don't, you know, when, when they go, Hey, what does it look like? I'm just like, I don't know. What's scary. (laughs) Make something scary for me. (laughs) Who knows? Tall, naked guy. Good. (laughs) I got it. That's scary to me. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's, 
it's budget is a big part of it, but I, I also think that less is more in, in something like that when you've got a creature. Because if you see it and it's it doesn't hit right for you, it totally takes you out of it. It could work for some and it doesn't work for others. That's um, true. That's so true. it's just like, do you really want to risk it? Um, I don't know. Some people do. It's it's not really a creature feature. So it's just like, mm, just see it when you need to see it, I guess. Yeah. And that's time tested. I mean, you can even go yeah. back to like slasher films, Jason looking through the, you know, oh, like looking yeah. through the, the, the woods at right. somebody or something like that. It's that mystery of what's actually looking at them that can be even more scary sometimes. Mm-hmm. Totally. So yeah, I see how that works. Uh, speaking of slasher, obviously you kind of touched on that with Superhost, but is that a genre you enjoy where like you have a... Uh, you know, the Michael Myers, Jason, yeah. things like that. Is that something you enjoy? Yeah, I mean, I think those are the ones that I liked the most when I was younger, you know, like the the Halloweens and the, the sleepaway camps and and things like that, where it, it is just sort of the supernatural. I mean, Michael has some supernatural ability to be able to pick people up and he's survived million bullets. But um, in general, you've just got, it's just sort of that, it's always interesting to have, the you know most movies the main character is the main character but in these it's kind of fun where you've got the killer that's what people care about they don't care about these teenagers that are going camping they're mm-hmm. just fodder for the killer you know it's it, they're just like they've got their little character ticks their whatever but they're there to see the slasher and they want to see the blood and they want to see the effects and stuff like that and i think when i was younger you know in my early teens and stuff that was always really exciting just to see kind of the creativity going into that stuff like um, all the kills and any of the nightmares or the f- Friday the 13th films. It was just, they were constantly kind of pushing the envelope on what they would do next. Um, yeah, so I think that those, I think slashers are just in general really fun because you just, it's like kind of cathartic to watch a bunch of morons get slaughtered. Oh, dude. That's kind of good. Yeah. So it's, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, you know, it's there. I just feel like genre, uh, horror as a genre is so, so wide and open that there's so many places that Mm -hmm. you can, you know, make movies, you know, like the first two I made were more supernatural thriller types. This one was a bit more black comedy uh, slasher type. And it's like, I'm going to be somewhere in the middle on the next one. But, um, yeah, it's just kind of fun to, you know, I think horror is just like a giant playground and, you know, there's no real rules on what to do. It's just, there's so many people doing different things and that's what makes it so cool. That's freaking awesome. We have several filmmakers that listen to us. Uh, uh, Jeffrey, if you're listening, oh, I'm talking on, to you Jeffrey. more specifically yes. here. So if you would be so kind, I'm just curious. I mean, I know it's kind of a cheesy question. I certainly don't mean it to sound like a cheesy question. But as a filmmaker, can you give any advice to young aspiring filmmakers that are just trying to get in and trying to find their way into this? Yeah, I mean, the big thing is just work, you know, like make stuff, even if it sucks. That's kind of <laughs> like the big thing. Like, uh, you know, make short films, just figure out your voice because you know, find your inspirations. Like mine was David Fincher. I love the way he shoots things. So it's kind of an emulation that's happening, but I also have my own kind of twist on it. So it's um, finding a way to be comfortable in in telling, you know, doing a scene, like where you put the camera, the deliberateness to everything, because you can do a scene a million different ways. You know, two people are talking, you can shoot it however you want. It just depends on what you think as a filmmaker is the most effective. And the only way you're going to do that is by practicing. So if you just sort of, you know, try and lose the pre- the pretense of, oh, I don't have enough people. I don't have enough people helping me. Like everyone has a film camera on their phone now. They can just shoot something. So I think mm. that the the barometer of entry is so low that the only real excuse you can make is just, you know, kind of baloney. It's just whatever you can, an obstacle you put up in front of yourself. So I would say if you're, you know, young and aspiring, just, uh, just uh, try and just practice, you know, 
just do that. And if you get to the point where you're you're looking, you know, you've you've made a bunch of stuff and you've found your voice and you've you want to make something like a feature film, um, it sucks. But try and f- chase the market a little bit. Mm-hmm. And this is more of a commercial thing. But so many people make their first films, and it's like personal experience about their dog when they were a kid and their parents <laughs> yeah. broke up, whatever. It's very melodramatic and yeah. it's not that interesting. It's very important to the filmmaker, but it's not, you know, no one's going to buy that. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, they're just doing their passion. piece. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I mean, and that, and I think that experience stuff is super important, you know, like mm-hmm. every movie I've done has personal things in it, like with my kids and my wife and, and things like that. They always tend to find their way into the scripts, but try to just sort of, ch- you know, you're, you're chasing you, you want people to see your stuff mm-hmm. you want if you want to make it a career if you just want to like make a fun art house thing and you you've got another job that you you're just as passionate about that's that's totally great but if you're you know if you want to make it is you know a business after all so you do want to create a product i guess that people want to see and you know that can be kind of limiting but right now horror and action they're kind of the two genres that are just like big on a global mm-hmm. scale because um the the film market is is so global now like if you make a horror movie like stillborn where it's just mom and a baby anyone in the world can see that concept and be like oh i understand it i get yes. moms i get babies they we have those you yeah. know but if you make a comedy a teen comedy about growing up in the suburbs or something like that like that only works for a small fraction of people where you true. take that to asia they're just gonna be like I don't, this doesn't hit <laughs> Way me at too all. Yeah. 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 The, yeah. And even jokes and stuff like that, I don't think comedy plays very well on a global scale because culture shapes That's true. senses of humor. That's so true. I think, I mean, it, it just depends on what you want to do. But if you're just like starting and stuff like that, it's basically just finding how you yourself can ex- show a scene and express your vision to an audience and just figuring that out. And the only way you're going to do that is just by doing it. So it's just, you know, start writing, start shooting, just, play around because that's kind of the most important thing you can do and so finish something yeah even if even if it's not seen by anyone even if it's just for you i've made short films that i've put up on youtube and i've made short films that i realized how after shooting i was like i totally screwed up everything and this is like (laughs) this was like shortly before i made stillborn and i made a, a comedy script that i think is hilarious but i totally screwed up the script by rushing it and i didn't think things through and so no one will ever see it because it's awful, but the concept's great. But it's just like, okay, I made it. I learned a lot by failing there. And, uh, you know, I failed a ton. And it's just, you just sort of pick up the pieces and you yes. go, okay, what didn't work? Yes. And that's the big thing too. So it's not just trying, it's also persevering when you fail because everyone's going to fail. Mm-hmm. I mean, some people don't, but in general, it's it's a process. You know, it's it's there's no corporate ladder really, but you're still building, you know, and getting up higher and higher and just sort of, how you get to that point where you you feel confident in yourself that you can just take a scene and shoot it and make it work. That's um, such a big thing, I think. That is all. And that, I'm going to switch it on its head a little bit. What would you say to the young producer since you've done that? What would you say how, how a young person gets into production side of things? If they're like, I can't direct, but I, right. I think I can do this thing maybe. Lie. <laughs> Can, I mean, I mean, that's, I mean, producers need to just be able to facilitate and get things together. Yeah. And so, uh, I mean, a lot of it is just like bullshitting your way to get stuff. You know, it's yeah. like, I need, I need a car for this shoot and we have no money. How are you going to get that car? Like, you're just going to have to, you're going to have to just pull something out of your ass and Jeez. figure out how to get the car, you know? So being a producer, I think the most, like just being able to problem solve 
and and think fast on your feet and, and lie and cheat and steal and kill. Maybe not kill, <laughs> yeah. but um, I don't th- tell anybody if you did. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's just like, can you hustle and get things done? Yes, like, producers gotta do that. It's a tough job and it sucks because. <laughs> You know, when, you, when you're just like constantly asking for favors and asking for things and you have nothing in return to give them outside of like a thank you, it's really hard to present that to someone, you know, like, hey, I really would appreciate it. I don't know if you watch Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh, of course, dude. I, I would really appreciate it. You know, that, that, that. It's just like, how do you make that sound convincing? I don't know. I'm, I'm not good at that. So the goal is to produce a movie with two people in the desert and one of them being a zombie. Yeah, because then there's not a whole, <laughs> there's not a million favors you yeah, can possibly ask for. <laughs> definitely, that, that that was a good training ground. It was like uh, the the actual pieces of the film are pretty simple, like yeah. in certain locations and stuff like that. But it was pretty simple because the cast is so small. But it was good to sort of wrap your head around the marathon that a shoot is because it's every day, <laughs> long days, a lot, you know. And that's always the scariest thing. Anytime you do a film, you're like going to day one. You're like. I've got to do this for four weeks. Like I've got to do 20 days of this. There's, I don't think like, I don't think I can do it now. I'm a little more comfortable with it. I'm like, I've done it twice. So I know I can. So that part's gone. But like that first time on stillborn, I was like, I have to do this again tomorrow. You know, figuring (laughs) out how do you balance that? You know, because it's like sprinting a marathon. Like every day is just like we've got X amount of hours. We've got 10 to 12 hours. We've got to get all this stuff. If we don't, we're screwed. So it's just like, you know, you just sort of get you get better and better at it and understanding how long things will take. But man, it's 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 tough. <laughs> it's just definitely you just it's just like it's a suicide mission that you somehow survive. That's beautiful. I love that quote. It's a suicide mission. You somehow survive. That's beautiful, man. Yeah. especially since now I can understand how you could totally miss a shot, because if you say yeah. we're going to shoot this five times, well, it's only supposed to be three. Be like, yeah, yeah, but the next shot, we'll just do it quick in two shots. But if yeah. that one's now three shots, you're like, oh, shoot, one of these yeah. Is it going to have to be a one shot and done? Totally. That happens all the time. <laughs> you know like saying? you'll have a shot list going into a scene and you're like, I have to do this in one shot. Yes. I don't have a choice. We don't have time. <laughs> so you figure it out and you, or you don't, and you forget to shoot it all together. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely insane. Cause I mean the prep prepping, you know, all the preparation you do on a film is like the most important thing. Yes. Cause once you're on and it's just like a train, it's not stopping. You're just going until the end. If you know, whatever work you put in beforehand, um, that's, that's pretty much it. I mean, you know, you can come up with a lot of things on the fly, but it, all the pieces generally are done in pr- uh, pre-production. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's weird. I mean, you, the movie that you have in your head when you get on set, like you realize very quickly, like, okay, I'm making something different. Yeah. You know, this is not what I was expecting to happen, <laughs> but you just have to learn to go with it or figure out how to fix it really fast. Because if you don't, you're just going to like derail. So that's, I mean, that's the biggest thing for a director to do is just, they have to maintain some sense of control of this car that's on fire you know, heading towards the cliff. You just have to like somehow be like, okay, guys, come with me. We're, I'm taking you to the edge, you know, and and try and get them to the edge and not go off. That's that while it's on fire and everybody's shooting at you, it's just, it's tough. All right, it's, one it's last crazy. nerdy question. I don't want to keep you all day, but um, I, I, I recently, this is super in the weeds. This is for the filmmakers out there. I um, was recently watching Kevin Smith talking about how daily he edits the shots together. Is yeah. that something you do or you say it's a wrap? Now let's bring it all together, edit then or do you like no, daily I'm in my tra- I'm I'm doing the editing as we're going. We don't have trailers. Um 
<laughs> but uh, <laughs> so Kevin Smith is a big inspiration for how I do things mm-hmm. uh, because after I did Z, I was like, it was it was an emotionally distressing shoot for various personal reasons, yes. but. Um, coming out of that, like it was just such a, a slog to get through that film mm-hmm. and get through the edit and stuff like that. It was just like, uh, it was so much work emotionally that it was hard to, to just to finish. So I, I listened to a podcast. I can't remember which one it was. I think it was like a version of Hollywood Babylon mm-hmm. before it changed into its current thing. But he was talking about a, a horror film that he did with a bunch of college students. Yes. And he basically, the entire crew was college kids. He directed and he just saw the pressure that these kids were putting themselves under. Mm-hmm. And he basically had to ex- reiterate to them, like, it's okay. Like, you know, you made a flower prop and it's not perfect. It's like, it's good enough. Yes. You know, and just having this mentality of it's good enough, you know, kind of, th- that was what I, going back to when I was talking about the sweaters and stuff like that. Like, you've got two sweaters to pick. Yeah. If it's important, think about it. But if it's not, just, it's fine. Yeah. Um, and be, you know, sort of don't sweat the the small stuff kind of stuff. Um. And that was, you know, it was, it was really enlightening. And that that ended up being why, like, the company that I created for Superhost and is, you know, the movie that we do is called Super Chill. It's just like oh, keeping dope. things mellow. Just Great like, name, by the way. Thanks. It's just like, <laughs> that's just sort of like the way I want to do things. Like uh-huh. Kevin Smith, he's very chill. He has fun. And it's it's you know we're not we're not saving lives we're making movies and we should enjoy it because people we want people yes. to enjoy it when they watch it so yes. if you I mean it is always stressful it is always hard to do and stuff like that it's hard work but if you want to be doing it and stuff you can find a way to make it fun um, and so that's kind of the that that even goes back to what I was saying about like creating these relationships where mm-hmm. I can reach out to actors and you leave and everybody feels like they went to war came back and they all made it with their limbs intact but going to the editing question. Uh, it, what it seems like I do is after the first couple days, I'll look at the footage and mm-hmm. I'll start, like, I'll take a scene and I'll just do a rough version of it just to see if it's working. Yes. Um, as the film goes on, it's harder and harder to do that because you're f- solving so many other things. Like, you, <laughs> yeah. you know, the logistics at the beginning are changing rapidly because mm-hmm. like, oh, I missed this scene. I have to push this to day four now, which means we have to do, you know, there's so many little things that keep changing. Yes. So your brain, you just don't really have the mental capacity at that point. After day one, day two, it's still, you know, it's it's day one of a hike and it's pretty, it's pretty simple and self-explanatory, yeah. but as you get higher and higher up the mountain, there's a lot more complications. So, um, yeah, I, I, so I, I tend to like, um, and I did the sun stillborn and Z and Superhost. I would cut these little pieces of it and just get a sense of, is this feel like a movie? Yes. And if it does, then I'm, you know, I feel a lot better going into the rest of it. Cause I feel like even like Cruise. Um, day one, if you could start day one with the crew you have on day on week three, it would be such a great experience because everybody's, everybody, the direct, everybody, they're all learning as they're going, you know, even if it's their a hundredth movie, they're still finding, you know, it's like, uh, it's like speed running a video game. You're finding faster and faster ways to do it every time, you know? Absolutely. So they're, they're optimizing the way they work. And so by the end, like they're brilliant. But mm-hmm. by, you know, there's a lot more fault, like mishaps, you know, it's just human, human nature. We're yes. all kind of yes. figuring each other out. Right. Um, and so by the end, like you're so much more dialed in on that. You don't have to worry about if the footage is working. You just have some confidence in it because you know that even it was working before it's working now. Yes. And then, yes, yeah, uh, Kevin Smith, he's insane because, yeah, he does just like lay in bed and edit. And I don't know if that's because he's just stoned all the time. <laughs> it's probably a good part of it, I'm, you know, sure. I'm sure. He's just like, okay, 
I'm home now. I'm just going to, you know, like, you know, whatever. And he's just going to edit. And that's probably a good way to decompress from the day because you need something. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's something that I would definitely love to see. I mean, on this next one, we're, we'll probably have someone there cutting the film as we go, oh, nice. which would be really cool. Just like to do an assembly, a really, yeah. really bad version of it. Cause like, uh, with Z and, and stillborn or Superhost, sorry, they were the two that I cut solo. And, um, the first edit is super hard because you it's always bad and like you can see it's bad while you're doing it and it's hard to do 90 minutes of bad and it's going to happen. It's just <laughs> you finish the first edit and you're like, I'm going to kill myself yes. in a month. I'm not looking at this for a month and yes. you just bail and you're just depressed for, for a while. Then you come back with fresh eyes and you're like, I can fix this. Yes. Like, I know how, you know, you've got some, uh, you've got some, uh, you've distance from it. So you, you're thinking clearly. I feel like if you were doing that on set all the time, it'd be hard. You'd be so focused and like, oh man, that shot that I just did wasn't that good. I could do better. And you'd want to fix that rather than, you got to be looking forward. You got to keep going. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you got to get to that, like super the, your, your business, super chill. Your yeah. company is just like, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Like we're yeah. not going to look at it and be like, hey, have you noticed that yeah. the lighting's off on the... <clears throat> right. We just want to see that the stories continue to go. I did not realize 100%. you edited super host sucks (laughs) (laughs) it's it's a lot of work oh well man gee it paid off though man it paid off i can't wait to see what you do next brother cool yeah it's hopefully i'll be shooting in a couple months and hopefully coming on in another few months (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah after you're done shooting after you're done shooting and editing and all that stuff for sure for sure absolutely yeah brandon thank you so much for your time i mean you, you actually stayed a little bit longer than we expected you to and um it was just fantastic talking to you yeah huge fan i'm 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 not gonna bullshit you i'm i'm new to your stuff and uh i'm just an absolute fan i think what you're doing is just you're doing the work man that needs to be done and uh please keep it up please keep us you know in touch with what's going on um it's just an absolute pleasure to have you on. So is there any place that uh, you want you know, people to find you where you can, uh, maybe you want to hide from everybody, I don't know, but is there a place <laughs> where people can go and learn a little bit more about you and what you're doing? Um, my Instagram, I, I use that probably the most. Actually, I guess I've been using Twitter since Superhost. I, I've never really used Twitter before, and so it's been interesting to figure out for Superhost release. I guess it's because I could never find my movies on Twitter because of the names. Ah. Like still... If you look up Stillborn on Twitter, it's a that's unfortunate. Get a yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. No. If you look at Z, it's another nothing comes up. So it's, <laughs> this is the first time that I'm like, okay, I, I can split it with Airbnb's posts. That's fine. Um, Never name a movie Blue Waffle and you're going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So it's, um, yeah, it's been, I mean, my, my, my uh, Twitter handles, the Brandon C85. And then my Instagram is the Brandon Christensen. You have Dope. shorter handles on Twitter. And may I just say this one thing? If you ever are in need of two people to kill, murder violently in okay. a movie, just just put it out there. Just consider your boys. Sure. We're not too far away. We'll drive. We'll make the drive for you. Even though I'm more of a Jason Bourne, you know, you can't. I'm a hero. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> no, please feel free to just just cut my head off. I don't care. Possess me. Whatever. Right. We're over in Fresno, Absolutely. California. Oh, right, right. That's what he said in the email. Yeah, cool. we're only about six hours away or something like all that. Right, but in all it. seriousness, thank you so much, man, for coming on. It was a pleasure to meet you. Yeah, you too, guys. It was fun. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Brandon Christensen. Check out his new movie, Superhost. I don't think you're going to have a complaint about this one. It's fantastic. It's fun. It's what you should be watching anyway. It is the season, right? But with that, my name is Dan Ramirez. That's Steve Hudson. And again, that's Brandon Christensen. People, be good to yourselves. Be good to the people around you. Peace. (laughs) 